As many of you know, at the start of the season, we were clear around the uh, discussions with Nathan and in relation to our senior coach, we would uh, have as an open, honest and transparent conversation throughout the season and reach a decision at the back end of the year. And as those conversations unfolded, and particularly over the last couple of weeks and the last few days with uh, Graham and Nathan, it became clear that Nathan's time as coach would finish this year and that uh, we wouldn't be going on into 2022. Spoke to the, the program uh, about an hour ago and um, the overwhelming message that I had was uh, one of gratitude. Um, I feel like uh, I've been blessed to be a part of this football club over a large period of time. Uh, the discussions have been open, they've been you know, really uh, really focused on what's, what's best for the club now and going forward. Um, yeah, we, we haven't uh, performed the way we would have liked to at the, the early stage of this season. Um, and I've, uh, I've had nine and a half years at the helm after two years as an assistant coach in, in uh, 2010 and 11. So I've had a fair crack at it. Um, and everyone has its time, every relationship, every person has their time and, and mine has come. Um, I'm really content with um, the decision that's been reached um, and, and I'm pretty confident that the club will be um, in really good shape going forward. It is time for On the Outside, the show where Nathan Buckley will be making his return to football. It is Marcus Taylor with you and with us also is Harry Vanderwood. Vanders, lovely to hear from you. Yeah, lovely to hear from you, Taylor. Certainly excited that Bucks is going to be. Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't. The show. I didn't. Did I mention that earlier? Sorry. Yeah. He's, no, I he's... mean, I, you, you didn't mention, but I, I assumed that he was obviously. Well, I thought we'd bring the... him in. Bring him in as a third. See how he goes. You know. Well, I thought that's why he left the Pies because of big dollars on the yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Big dollars out on the outside of football. So you know, that could be us. Yes. Yeah, so, well, no matter how much big money there is on the outside, we're certainly always looking for new sponsors. So. <laughs> If you are listening and interested, get involved. Uh, straight bat still with us. Uh, yes, straight bat still with us. Uh, the lovely straight bat single malt, Tasmania's finest single malt whiskey. They certainly are, and we would never be able to replace them, obviously. But there's room, there's room at the top for more than one. Forever in our hearts, straight bat single malt. Tails, just before we before we get started on uh, the story of the week, which is obviously Nathan Buckley mm. resigning from Collingwood. I just wanted, I had some initial business, some exciting yes. business for the pod. Yes. Um, so obviously we have a lot of listeners. Obviously I can't tell you the yes. stats off the top of my head. Um, probably thousands. Yeah. Um, but I've never did, checked. Well, I'm always chasing our number one ticket holder, if you will. Ooh, number one prestigious ticket, position. Ticket listener, we'll call it. Not a great name. Yeah. Uh, I got some feedback during the week from um, someone quite high up in the sporting world Ooh, about the really? pod. Yes, I was... Uh, approached by Stephen McMullen, the coach of the Tasmanian Tigers in the uh, Hockey One League. Are you telling me a national-level sporting identity listens to this pod? Well, that's the validation that we crave. (laughs) Isn't it? We have the year of the sporting world. Now, if you're Uh, listening. (laughs) Yes. But he, uh, look, Mullins, as affectionately known, Mm. uh, mentioned to me that he enjoyed the pod, which is is obviously positive feedback. Always good to hear. 
too much cricket, he said, uh, which, you know, I can understand. It is June and we're talking yep. about, about cricket. Um, so, yep, took that criticism on board. But just exciting to have a, uh, a number one ticket listener. It certainly is. It absolutely is. And we'd love to warmly extend an invitation to be on the pod at any time if we uh, need to up our hockey content. It was the politics of the hockey world. And uh, the other, the other little bit point of notice I wanted to bring up, Taz, was I've recently just been, and it's come up on the pod before. It's a pet hate of mine. Mm. Rumors again today swirling that Bell Reeve ready to step Ooh. in should there be any need for uh, <laughs> football outside of Victoria. What now the- we've talked about it before. It's very upsetting. There's clearly not going to be any games <laughs> in Tasmania, and yet we get drawn in again. We have the same culprits, Brent Costello. Sort of Channel 9 in Hobart gets excited. Peter Gutwin's tweeting. So, and then the AFL is like, look, we're just certainly considering and, and very, very much thank you mm, to Tasmania yes. for standing by. So this talk of us getting the uh, Hawthorne-Essendon uh, clash, which would be a massive coup <laughs> for, for Hobart, but there's, there's no chance. There's absolutely no chance. That's my hot take of the week. We will not see any extra games <laughs> at Bell Reve Oval in Launceston uh, at all this year. I'm upset about it. And that's all we need to say. Uh, Vanders, of course, the big news is we did allude to it off the top is Bucks this week. What do you make of the whole, let's say the whole 12 hours from the moment that Pete Ryan from The Age broke the news to the end where Eddie Maguire started pitching to Ross Lyon on, live on national television? Yeah, I think it was all, um, it all seemed to be handled quite well from the Collingwood Football Club, which is, they're not handling that much well at the moment. So it was a bit <laughs> of a surprise. Um, but I thought the whole, it sort of ran fairly seamlessly. The, the, the announcement, the leak, the press conference uh, all went fairly well. Not sure about Eddie going for Ross Lyon, but I just feel personally that Ross Lyon isn't an answer to anyone's club or anything really at all. I would avoid Ross Lyon at all costs. What, it have, what was your take on it? Well, I feel like we won't get too much into the into the weeds of, you know, the hows and the whys and, and all that sort of stuff. But I do I do want to ask you this question from that broader media perspective, because a comment was made to me that it's the way people were treating him and the coverage around him was almost like he died. Did you did you feel that? Did you feel like it was it was like a football career, like at the very least a football career died? Is that what you thought? Yeah, everyone was pretty upset. There's a lot of tweeting, posting, a lot of eulogies, if you yeah. will. Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, everyone hunts for, head hunts for him to be, to be gone out of the, uh, and then to be gone from Collingwood. And then when he's gone, everyone's sad, reminisce on 10 years of service, plus his playing career and never able to reel in that elusive flag and how sad it is. And so, look, it's a fickled, media is a fickled, a fickled place, but um, he's not dead. No, so, not that we're aware. Who knows? Well, we've got him signed onto the show, so hopefully. It's, all it's thanks all right. to QAnon, the uh, leading conspiracy makers. Do you think that the Carlton Review, which was announced on Monday and that had been in the works for, for a week, we're led to believe, do you think that pushed Collingwood's hand at all? Yeah, I think, certainly think it got the ball rolling. Why people start, I don't, I don't think they're necessarily scared of, of Carlton but it just, certainly once one move's made and they all happen fairly quickly and, and everyone's going to be sort of reevaluating their positions as far as coaches um, for Carlton I'd be interested to see how much this review is going to cost them because geez they've been bad for a long time and you just wonder mm-hmm. what another review 
is going to do. Mm. Uh, maybe they should just shut the doors at Carlton and just forfeit the club. Yeah, not even a year or two. Yeah. Or maybe just not even reestablish it, but just burn yeah. it, salt the earth, um, and never ever come back again. Uh, a great idea, Van. Is a great idea and a great point to leave uh, this discussion. Before we do though, I've just got to get one more little one in here. I will review our hot takes a bit later on, but this is my hot take that when you're listening back to this pod in a year's time, as all our fans will do because they want more of our content, I think you're going to see a lot more senior coaches leave their positions in the next 18 months. You've got Chris Scott being in there about 10 years. Well, and if they don't, if, if Geelong don't win, their, season, their, their window's done. 100%. Longmire, even your boy, been there about that time. Adam Simpson has extended until 2024. He was even mentioned as perhaps leaving his job. Damien Hardwick even has, has been there for, what, a dozen years? I just think that this time frame, there's a lot of these big names, these big senior coaches that you'll find will be moving on uh, very, very shortly. So perhaps not a good time to be a, a young up-and-coming coach. You think there'll be a bit of moving and shaking amongst the old boys? I actually think it would be a good time to be a young up-and-coach because... You'd want something different and fresh. You get to start anew. I think that's the way to go. Well, you heard it here first on the outside. Marcus, back to Roland Garros. Mm. Uh, obviously, we've talked about um, Naomi Osaka pulling out in, in recent weeks, but um, this week, Rog, Roger Federer uh, has pulled out of Roland Garros this week, citing just the fact that he's, he's come off some, some injuries recently. He just wanted to get some tennis into his body and he really needs to, to properly prepare for, for Wimbledon. Um, a lot of people absolutely fine with this. A lot of people a little bit upset saying, well, it's a little bit unprofessional. You, gotta, you can't just treat us like a training rink at Roland, Roland Garros. Um, what's, what's your take? I thoroughly enjoy the fact that he has ascended to a level where he can treat a major Roland Garros as a warm-up tournament. I love that. I love that he is so good and has been so good for so long that he can, he can treat a tournament uh, with that level of prestige in that way. I wonder, do you think anyone, anyone at all on the planet would care if Roger Federer had said, yeah, sorry, I've re-aggravated my knee. It's touch and go, but I can't go again. No. Nobody would care. So the fact that he was honest, the fact that he, he, he came out and was honest is, mm. seems to be what people are upset about. This is getting, this is quite a deep question, so I'll try, and, I'll try and phrase it well. Do you think that someone like a Serena Williams or a Djokovic would have got the same response and... Do you Absolutely. think that is because of Roger, the fact Roger Federer has, has possibly earned the right? Or do you see things like sexism, racism as possibly playing a part there as well, which often gets brought up when people compare, say, Serena Williams to a Roger Federer? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a double standard there, but it did, unfortunately, it's in every individual case. So if you've got, say, someone like Novak Djokovic, we dislike him because he's kind of a dick and kind of fake. Whereas the reason that people dislike Serena Williams is somewhat rooted in the fact that she is a black woman and a powerful black woman. That's, and that's, I'm sure that's not the only reason some people dislike her. 
but that is is a large reason for mm-hmm. for the reason that yep. people dislike us. So I think it, it is a, a bit individual and it is probably very similar to Naomi Osaka last week in terms of a double standard. That's a young black woman trying to take power away from, from a sort of white controlled sport. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, there's, there's the argument that if you qualify for the tournament, then you earn the right to leave when you want. Um, so anyway, interesting. Um, and we'll have to, I, I suggest that that possibly if, if, if Roger Federer is going to keep playing at a high level, it could, it could happen um, a little bit more in the future. So um, I have to watch that space. And as I know, we uh, we spoke at the start of the pod about the fact that there's too much cricket in the uh, in the pod at the moment in the middle of June. But we will talk a little bit more here. And but unfortunately, it's not necessarily celebrating the game as we'd like to do. Uh, the Ollie Robinson saga, uh, which we spoke about last week, he's now been suspended for a match you know, as punishment for tweets that he sent when he was a 19, 20 year old that were quite discriminatory. There's now been other players that have been found to have similar tweets. So I think The Guardian named uh, Owen Morgan, Josh Butler, James Anderson made a uh, quite a derogatory uh, tweet as well back in 2010. Has your opinion on whether on the actions of the ECB changed in the last week at all? I think we sort of predicted it last, last pod tales that it was perhaps going to be a, uh, a slippery slope and it might end up in tabloids, individuals searching through everyone and everyone in sport, any, any high position of power um, back through old tweets, old Facebook posts, um, you know, and some of these, some of these, the latest updates from, from the England cricket players, I think some of them were sort of, you know, teenagers, late, even mid teens, some of them. And, I guess while, again, we have to sort of repeat and harp on, you can't excuse any sort of racist or sexist comments. You do have to wonder what good this is doing for English cricket, but also for the community, for um, sort of, yeah, for, for a, lot of, a lot of different things. And I, I just don't know that this is, is good um, for the sport. I wonder, you know, if it takes 10 years to uncover because it takes someone, you know, from, from 15 to 25 to start playing cricket for their country that there's, you know, people that have made tweets two years ago that are going to get found out in eight years. And it's going to be a long, long problem. Um, the England Cricket Board have set a precedent now by suspending Robinson and they've said they're going to do everything else on a case-by-case basis. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting time going forward as to how athletes, sporting bodies organization the public treat react to all of these different things yeah i'll come back to that point in just a moment but before we leave these specific cases do you think and you mentioned their case by case regardless of the content of these um of these tweets do you think that uh, someone like jimmy anderson who at that point would have been about late 20s when he t- he uh, tweeted the uh, the tweeting question and someone like Owen Morgan, who was just breaking into the England side, probably about that time, would have been in his mid-20s. Do you think they should be looked upon more harshly 
than somebody like Ollie Robinson, who was a kid at the time? I think I think so. Yeah. Yes. I think, I mean, this is obviously a really tough subject to, to sort of chat on, but I think that when you are younger, both like you, you learn by, by doing and receiving feedback quite often, you, you sort of sense out different, different areas and, and, and that's how you learn. So unfortunately, social media has made these things last forever. So rather than a comment to, to your friend or to a family or to anyone that you could get instant backlash on, uh, and then learn a lesson. It's now on the internet forever. And so those lessons can keep coming back at you at all times and getting called out for it. So um, I do think that age is a factor in it. And you would have to hope that the, the, the comments they made at the time, they received guidance on those from, from friends and family, and then they you know, didn't delete them possibly, but, but have learned to not make those comments, um, not, not to just not make the comments, but that they don't think like that or feel like that anymore as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think age does play a factor. So it's not a question that I, I think you and I can answer. No. But what I, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> obvious. But what I will say is I, I think the positive out of this and the, the good thing that comes out of this it's probably the ECB or the whoever it is in charge running England cricket. They are being, I think they're being overzealous in particular in Ollie Robinson's case, but there is a clear line drawn now. You cannot cross that line. And those behaviours, those thoughts, those sort of any sort of uh, institutions that may hold these sort of these ideas or whatever that were espoused in, in these tweets, are just are completely unacceptable. And while they may be going overboard in individual cases, I think if you are any player, you are in absolutely no doubt now that the ECB will not stand for this. And surely, I mean, it's difficult for us to say because we're not, I don't think we're members of, of any sort of minority group, but surely that's of some comfort to, to these groups that have been discriminated against that the ECB has said, look, from now on, from this point, this sort of behaviour will no longer be tolerated, even if it means that some, some players are caught up, uh, caught up in it and punished perhaps too severely. Yeah, yeah, you got some... Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how what other sporting bodies, because no doubt this is going to rear its head again mm. and, and possibly even become a bigger and bigger story. So it'll be... I think it'll happen soon in AFL. I genuinely think it'll happen soon in AFL, which is not something we really should be looking forward to. We've got our, as the Adam Good story spoke to us this week, it's not something we've got a strong history on. I think interestingly, tales throughout the discussion about whether the punishment is fair and these are, you know, if a 15-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid has made these comments and is it fair to punish them because they're young, they're learning, they've made a mistake. Um, and a lot of it is uh, Paul Robinson or poor, poor Anderson making those comments. But I guess, um, and I can, I can see where that's coming from, but no one's really made a discussion about the, uh, you know, victims of those tweets who, who would have read that, um, been extremely upset, felt discriminated against. Um, no one really just is discussing that. It's more about how harsh the punishment and what's too harsh. So um, I think, and sometimes we do do that, but we, we need to remember who, who the victims of these of these comments were rather than sort of wondering if it's too much to punish Robinson now. No, very fair point, Ben. It's a very fair point. 
Tails, just before we move on to our hot takes, uh, reassess our ones from last week and also reiterate our ones yeah. that we've already mentioned in the pod, I do have a, a, a quick fire question for you. Just one. Just want to get your take on it because it's something that's been annoying me in the last couple of weeks. Um, it's been coming. Running your gears, Fenders? No. No. Okay. Just annoying. No, annoying you a little bit. No, really annoying me. It's been talked about a lot. It's, it's, it's a holding the ball question for you. And this, this particular oh. question hasn't come up a lot. But what is your thought on if the umpire is unsure whether the, the player's got a slither of boot or a slither of a hand on a, on a, on a disposal, where should the benefit go? Should the benefit go to the player disposing of the ball or attempting disposal or should the benefit go to the tackler? Absolutely to the player attempting to dispose of the ball. And this is because I'm not going to sit here and reward the tackler. Okay. Yes. I agree that it probably, you know, there are so many situations where the benefit of the doubt goes to the player and that irks the tackler, but you're not, don't go down the track of rewarding the tackler. This is not what we stand for on the outside. We're outside players. We want, we do, we reward the ball players and the players that are trying to get a bit no, of No, see, this is where I disagree with you and disagree wholeheartedly, Tails. If you were properly on the outside, you wouldn't be in a situation where you would get tackled. You'd be so far removed <laughs> from the true. game. Be sheep but I have to kick it 70 metres to get it to you on the outside. But no, back to, the, back to that, my question. I, the amount of times where a player is tackled, gone for all money, and as they drop the ball, it happens to slide down their shin... And the umpire is like, no, I've kicked it, fair disposal, is absolute bullshit. It should be, it has to be a clear and meaningful disposal, not this ridiculous snick of a hand. The umpire thinks it's good enough. It's horse shit. We've got to reward the tackler, and I'm sick of it. What would have happened if in 19, in 2005, Leo Barry doesn't take the mark, it goes over the back, goes to the goal square, and Ashley Sampley's sitting there, he gets tackled. And the ball dribbles down his foot and he, he ends up kicking a goal. Do you think the umpire would have said, oh, no, that's not a goal? No, no, sorry. It wasn't a meaningful, wasn't a meaningful disposal of the ball. That's a good question. And I feel like it would just be one of those weird AFL quirks where they pay it in some situations and they don't in other. But I don't like, I don't like it. I'm sick of it just accidentally hitting someone's foot and the umpire saying fair disposal. They got lucky and it has, should have to be a meaningful disposal and you're not going to change my mind. I, think I agree with you, Vanders. It's exactly like those pack marks where like seven blokes touch it, but then it yep. falls into the key forward's hand. It's like, oh, nah, Just he's 30 out in front. One of those be. AFL umpiring quirks that they, uh, that they have. All right, Tails, that's enough. I've ranted enough. I've just been, it's been pissing me off and I wanted to, to talk about it. Obviously, you're wrong, but I appreciate that you are wrong. Also, getting on to being wrong, I believe you were wrong on your hot take for last week. Ash Barty. No. No, I wasn't wrong because as a matter of pure technicality, I, it worked. So Ash Barty went out in, what was it, the second round? And technically, I said that somebody would stay longer in the draw, an Australian, than she did. Now, Astra Sharma was turfed out of, the, out of Roland Garros about an hour later. So technically, she did stay longer. You know what? So you I'm, know what? I'm actually happy with that. I think that's, I think that's good. <laughs> second round, sure. But timing-wise, yes, later. Give it to you. What did you have? I was wrong and I was wrong technically. Uh, I had New Zealand to win by 200 plus runs against England, which I feel obviously was wrong after it was, it was a draw. 
They finished about 200 in front, didn't they? Yeah, and I feel like without that rain, I was a definite chance. So I, I pat myself on the back for being brave, but unfortunately was wrong. So you now lead the hot takes 2-1. Oh, okay, right. No, 2-1. Unfortunately, we've both lost multiple times this year. <laughs> Get on to, we've already mentioned our hot takes for the week. I'm going to jump in again with mine. Mm-hmm. And that was that Tasmania will not host any extra AFL games than what we're already scheduled. And that is without a doubt. You'll hear more chat about it on Twitter, on everything. We're not going to host anymore. We're certainly not going to host Essendon and Hawthorne. No, good point. Very good point, Vanders. Uh, my hot take. Ooh, what can I come up with here? A third coach. So Nathan you've already given it. You've already given us one. Which was that? Oh, the, uh, the, the, in the 18 months. That's a future hot take. It's for us to come back to at the end of 2022. Fair enough. What is global? One of our long-term hot takes that no one's going to remember. Yep, go. My hot take is going to be along the same vein that by the time we record this pod next week, there will have been a third coach under pressure. So Nathan Buckley's gone. David Teague's the subject of a review. There will be a third coach mooted to be under severe pressure of losing their job. But isn't the isn't the there already chat of, of that? Or what counts what, what counts as being under pressure? You've got the Saints. Legitimately, legitimately mentioned as losing their job. So Brett Ratton's not. Nobody's All right. legitimately All right. mentioned that he's in debt. No, no, that's yet. that's fine. I, I They've got the Crows this week. They'll probably be there. I don't know. Crows are a danger team. They <laughs> danger are team. an annoying team. They are an annoying team. Anything more before we get out of here, Vanzers? No, Tails, I think we've tackled enough big issues this week. And uh, hopefully we'll get some cold bath. Hopefully we'll get some easy outside peel uh, next week. Don't forget to relax on the outside, of course, with a lovely straight bat single malt as well. Proud partners of on the outside. 